This is the BT Rio Chapter Podcast, episode 23. I'm your host, Stefan Hughes, and this cast is the fifth in our series called Overcoming Challenges in Education, Meeting with the Speakers. This is a chance to talk a little more with the teachers who presented in our event on July 4th and 5th of 2020 about their presentations and about other useful tips they can share with our listeners on teaching practice and most importantly on teacher development. Our guest is a compound bilingual and a Cambridge certified EFL teacher and teacher trainer. She's a CPE holder and recently got a CELTA certificate in London, UK. She also holds other certificates in the field of ELT. She's been teaching for over 12 years and is currently a teacher and teacher trainer at Nova Aceleradora de Florencia and also a member of the Pronunciation SIG Brass Diesel Support Group. Let's welcome Alini Coutinho. Yay! Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, it was a pleasure uh, uh, presenting at the Brass Diesel event. Uh-huh. And I'm so glad to be here talking to you right now. Right, so, right. You see, this is it. This is it. We, we want to have as many people as possible on this podcast and want to get people to, um, you know, share their views, talk a little bit more. Um, it's a different format from, you know, normal presentations, right? So your talk was entitled Pronunciation First, the Impact of Prosodic Training on the Development of Listening Comprehension. Wow. Very, very nice. What led you to tackle this topic? Um, well, uh, many things actually. Um, I think that uh, first thing that I don't know comes to mind usually when people think pronunciation, like studying pronunciation. I think that the first thing that usually comes to mind is that oh, so I'll study this, so I'll sound like a native speaker then. Oh, so this is what it does, right? This is the purpose. <laughs> And no, this is not the purpose at all. And when we think as teachers, pronunciation instruction in the classroom, um, we tend to think that like most teachers, I I do not say everyone, of course, but a lot of teachers deal with it uh, like um, as if it were something that we could add or not to a class like okay I've got like five minutes here so I'll teach them some minimal pairs because right or I will show them this you know phonological rule going on here or I'll I'll teach them the magic E because it's fun to know right and usually um, I've seen lots of teachers like struggling to understand the actual importance let's say of prosodic training and explicit pronunciation instruction and students as well they don't seem to understand uh uh, how it would help them right and i think that when like when we think uh of communication we are talking about producing but we're also talking about perceiving right because it goes both ways so Mm -hmm. uh, listening is 50% of this equation here right Um, so uh, the role of explicit pronunciation instruction in the classroom has again more to do with giving students tools to listen to the language 
uh, and not exactly like give them tools to sound like a native speaker. I think that ah, okay. it's about time we we overcome that, right? right? Because a native speaker, and if we use the native speaker here, right? Uh, let's play this card. A native speaker will use certain phonological cues, let's say, right. that are embedded into their phonological system, right? And uh, if we don't teach students to recognize those things and to deal with those things, uh, their listening comprehension will be impaired, right? Okay. Because lots of students, they say that they don't listen, that they can use the language that they read and they understand the language, but they don't, they can't listen to the language, right? And teaching pronunciation has everything to do with listening, you know, comprehension, with helping students decode the language, right? Wow. And I think that this is it. So uh, uh, it has an impact and it, it, it has a big, a huge impact, right? All right. Uh, that, that, I mean, to be honest, I don't think we don't take things from that perspective a lot in ELT. Uh, I've never, uh, I haven't seen many people tackling it from that perspective of working on pronunciation to help them with their listening comprehension, which is something important. Yeah. It is, it is. Yeah, yeah. And also when you talk about the native speaker, again, this the, of course you have the whole concept of native, native speakerism, which is big right now, right? The whole thing about who is and who is not native speaker and why this is important. Yeah. Um, how do you work with that since we have so many native speakers, right? They're not just the American or British. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that is yeah. also something huge to tackle, right? It, it is, it is, it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, thinking, because like there are, um, I like to say that there are some non-negotiable aspects, you know, phonotactically speaking, like there's this branch of linguistics that deals with how a language is supposed to sound like, which is phonotactics, right? Okay. Uh, and when we think about the things that are non-negotiable for a language to sound a language, these are the things I'm talking about when it comes to teaching pronunciation, right? Okay. Because things are not random, right? It's not only because a person has an accent that that, that, that person does not use certain phonological cues right mm -hmm. for example like and and then i think that again it's important that we establish this difference here right between yeah. what is negotiable and what is you know non-negotiable right okay. uh because for example when teaching pronunciation a lot of people focus on uh things that are not do not add up to a huge difference right for example vowel sound Certain vowel sounds, for example, the aw oh and the uh sound. Okay. Right? Or the th sound and the t, right? Mm. Uh, those things, they are segments, and segments have very little to do with communication breakdowns, right? Okay. Because if they did, for example, like in minus, I say minus, I use an s sound, right? Yes. But in exactly. Rio, in it's Rio. That's it. Yeah, so if, if yeah. the problem, if the communication breakdown would occur whenever there's a, a, a problem with the segments, I wouldn't understand you when you say Minish. I wouldn't right. be able to decode that, right? Mm -hmm. So communication breakdown is not necessarily related to uh, uh, um, disturbances, let's say, at the level of a segment, right? right? 
And this is what will eventually add up to different accents because we will articulate sounds a little differently depending on where you're from. And again, here, I'm not talking about those things. We have to deal with those things, right? Because everyone is an accent. Yes. Um, uh, and it has, not, it, it has not necessarily to do with the role of pronunciation instruction, right? So okay. uh, I don't, I don't, I, I usually don't even talk about this uh oh which native speaker are you talking about in the first place like because it's to me it's pretty obvious that it really doesn't matter it, uh, okay. uh, so uh, that's what i wanted to get i wanted to make that really clear that's good very good point oh fantastic. yeah yeah good and uh um no, not to cut you off there but i think what you're saying is important that that might not be the big issue here and you, you were talking about the segments you could be talking about super segmental comprehension as well right we don't want to sound That's too it. technical but if you look at it it's like layers of meaning that go in there right yeah yeah definitely um yeah i, I sometimes i avoid using the uh, the terms let's say but as i don't know since we're like talking to teachers i think it's important that we use those those names right okay. um so those problems we were talking about, like the S sound, right? The minas minish, those would be uh, uh, things related, re related to segments, like they are sex, uh, segmental features of a language. And the things that really have an impact, they start happening once we glue everything together. And when we start like singing the language, you know, and then those things they have to do with the uh, super segmental features of the language. And then we're here, we're talking about rhythm, prosody, we're talking about intonation, we're talking about those, all of the uh, uh, processes uh, that happen when we link sounds, like assimilation processes, um, catenation, like when those things, they are at play, then I start maybe like, uh, this is the moment where problems can happen right uh it can appear understandings you know? can come up right yeah 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 okay. that's it wonderful well i need just gave some quick examples actually so i could ask you if you could suggest maybe some practical activities or things that teachers can do to promote this kind of training for students this prosodic training right. what kind of activities do you think we could do in the classroom uh there are like Oh, so many things you can do. Um, um, when teaching, let's say, when teaching um, simple past, mm -hmm. for example, uh, we have that ED, and then I think it's it's one of the first times students are forced to deal with adding syllables to a word, let's say, or adding parts, uh -huh. you know, like non-existing parts yes. to a word to form another word. I think that it's yeah, it's. I think it's one of the first times they 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 do it maybe with plural forms i don't know if we think right. of a a1 a2 but i think that simple pass is very critical because they start dealing with the ed right um and it's a hell of an opportunity for the teacher uh to introduce those things right because we're adding that that piece mm -hmm. of, uh, of word there <laughs> yeah uh -huh. yeah and sometimes it's a syllable but sometimes it's not okay right sometimes it's only a sound uh so when teaching for example simple past uh, i think it's a great opportunity for teachers to show students what goes on because if they add 
that syllable there, they end up changing the word and messing up with the number of syllables in English is very critical, right? We don't want to do that. So oh, it's, 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 it's a, a nice opportunity for the teacher to work on not only on grammar there, but also to show them that sometimes that E that they see won't be a syllable won't add up to an extra syllable added to the word you know sometimes it's only a sound so that 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 sound for example sometimes it's a t sometimes it's a d okay so but what's the impact when you produce the word in isolation nothing really happens because we use most of the times a glottal stop so uh you don't hear that t or, the, or that d you only hear, hear that it. t yeah you only hear <laughs> that t or d when a vowel follows because then you have to, to link that T or D sound to the next vowel sound. And then you hear that clear T or D depending on uh, the verb. So these, all of these things, they have an impact in listening comprehension, right? If you teach your students how you're supposed to listen for those things, you know what I mean? Right. right? Uh, uh, they like, they have to be introduced to these rules you know okay. because sometimes teachers like that they go they go about grammar they do it students understand and then that same student fail to listen to those words he knows right right because once we play the recording they get like what no 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 i didn't say that he didn't say um that. yeah that um the guy's speaking with an egg in his mouth yeah, they yeah. say that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you if you work on helping the student build his system, his phonological system, you know, by giving them the rules, by giving them a chance to come up with what they think is a nice definition or a nice explanation for for what's going on, they start like building, you know their system and their own implicit rules that will you know help them listen to those right. things and, that in, and in that sense it builds with them that kind of autonomy because you're also looking at them being able to deal with that out of the learning situation yeah so if that's you think it we have that when they have to let's say interact with other speakers or they need to deal with the language out of the classroom they might feel a little more prepared for that okay what is the guy saying even if i don't understand everything uh word for word which sometimes our students try to do right they try to follow yeah. every single word and they're probably basing that on the written forms of the language so they're trying to see the written forms in their head this mental image of oh the word is ed whatever 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 and then that of course stalls them in making sense of things that's it right? yeah okay. so because i think that this is the um at the end of the day, this is what we should do. I mean, we should teach students skills that can be transferred, you know, to other places, right? I, mm -hmm. I, I, I always talk about it when I teach teachers, right? Uh, is your student bilingual in your class or only in your class? Or are you actually helping that, that person become bilingual mm -hmm. at any given circumstance, right? right? because the, the classroom environment is artificial enough, okay. right? Uh, so if you don't prepare that student to deal with those things in the real world, let's say, um, I don't think you're doing much, right? right? And 
yeah basically. that's it and you're saying you're saying bilingual here meaning that they're able to work with both languages right being able to um let's say be efficient that's it communicative and okay in both languages oh, yeah wonderful. wonderful well i mean then in this case in this case then um you mentioned that this kind of training this doesn't really happen a lot in the classroom we just maybe spare a few minutes we do a quick exercise we do something almost like a you know extra activities a bit fun but how can we do this or maybe put these kind of training in maybe conversation classes you, you talked a lot about you know using that for conversation listening comprehension um is it possible to do that in conversation classes as well of course it is mm -hmm. um Well, uh, I, I, I like, I love the idea of conversation classes actually because uh, I, I have to confess, I really don't understand what they are. What is it like? <laughs> are you talking fleeting. like, that's it, you know, that's like, it. it's so, still a uh, concepts, I think. You know, so a conversation class, in my opinion, is a class, right? Because it has, it, it has to, you need some structure, you yes. need a, you know, you, you need to, to, be you need to know where you're taking your student to i think yeah. that this is the point right because mm -hmm. a lot of people a lot of students i've had lots of students that get like whoa your class is so different you actually teach me things and i was like why oh because i had this teacher uh and we had conversation classes and we would only talk but which and is actually the best thing right to be to be honest eh? it would is be interesting it? if they just this i don't know like, this is the question you don't have As a teacher, if you don't have a, a plan, I mean, if you don't okay. sit down and know what you're doing and like, I think you have to know where you're taking right. your student, right? No. I don't, I, I don't mean that we, you can talk. That's not what I'm sure, saying. Sure, sure, sure. Right? I'm saying is like, why are you talking? What is the purpose of this conversation in terms of like helping the students build his or her own set of skills, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because this is what we need to do. You know, we, need, we don't need to spend time talking to our student just because right so a conversation class okay let, let's let's think of a, a a structure here let's suppose it's a debate class right okay okay then we then we but then we we can talk okay so <laughs> whenever a person does not understand something and then that other person gets like okay no let me clarify there are intonation patterns involved in asking for a clarification for example or uh introducing uh your point of view like right. no like according to what you're saying and then you use rise and intonation because you're not done and uh -huh. then you're go what follows is uh -huh. most of the oh, times like, fallen intonation that's right? it also like when you say things like so what you're saying is that, yeah that kind of uh -huh. yeah okay. so how does how how do these things happen phonologically speaking right Uh, what is the indicator to my listener that I'm not done talking, right? It's usually rise in intonation, right? right? Um, Which is different in Portuguese, right? In Brazilian yeah. Portuguese where yeah. we know sometimes you just kind of come over, you you have layers of interruption, and that's how we take turns in Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese. Yeah, Brazilian. yeah, yeah. And, and it's not the same in English, right? right. Uh, so, for example, introducing like pronunciation in the conversation class. Okay, so if you're if you're teaching your student how to uh, uh, debate, okay, so teach them how to make his or her point clearer. No, what I'm trying to say is da da da. However, da da. Okay, but how those things sound? All right. In terms of listening comprehension, how do you know a person is not done saying what he or she's trying to say? 
how do you how do you listen for those nuances in intonation for example that indicate that the person is hesitating or that you know so it's like there are so many things we can do okay definitely definitely that's a sensitivity there but i mean building awareness right this is yeah fantastic great but actually you have answered a lot of the questions that we wanted to talk about today in basically two or three main uh, replies there you covered several things actually they covered the idea of promoting prosodic training you talked about student awareness and this is what you you've been stressing here a lot making them aware of these things and how this can work in their own listening right when they're listening to people not just in the class but outside more specifically out of the classroom right which is yeah. very important right mm-hmm. and then of course getting teachers to develop their own prosodic training because i think this this also starts with us as teachers because if we are not aware of that how can we actually help students you know yeah yeah i think that this is the um i would i wouldn't say yeah i think that this is the most delicate you know aspect of mm-hmm. this you know uh, um yeah of it because <laughs> yep. lots of yeah because uh if the teacher is sometimes the only model the student has right i'm not i'm not saying that that student does not uh watch movies and listen to you know songs they do they, they mm-hmm. certainly do but as a as um um a model in terms of that person is giving the instructions to for me to you know become a better speaker mm-hmm. and this is the model i'm talking about right so if if that teacher does not work on his or her you know own pronunciation we we may cause lots of problems to our students right because if we don't produce maybe the students will model what we say and then they will make mistakes and if we do not notice certain things we can't help them notice those things because we don't how how am i going to teach something i don't yeah. know it's like right? blind leading the blind huh? yeah yeah basically so or deaf leading the deaf if it's talk about listening yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh i think that this is this is important i mean students yeah. the teachers sorry they need to to understand those things because i think that for the longest time we focused a lot on fluency and fluency started meaning so many things right right and of course it's 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 nice to get to this point where you can talk to anyone and be understood but sometimes it's not enough right mm-hmm. sometimes those set of skills won't won't allow you to do much right, right? Yep. um and this is like this is what i i don't know i am trying to encourage teachers to do like to start uh uh divorcing the fluency thing from what really matters in terms of the skills the student will need okay. right because for right. example a b1 a b1 speaker can 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 speak english they can yeah, yeah. you know can get, can like by, carry right? out conversations they they are understood they can understand yeah, they can but them. but there's more you know and there will be things that they won't be able to do you know 
there are some accents they won't be able to understand if they are not taught properly, right? Uh, the uh, there there's this uh, um, talk by David Crystal, and he says something very similar here. Like, if the student fails to use the language, option number one, the student hasn't yet learned the language. Option number two, the teaching has gone terribly wrong somewhere. Ooh, right. Nice. nice. Uh, so, if your student and and it's that uh, what I had just said, if your student is only bilingual in your class, uh, I don't I don't see the point here, right? Okay. And, you know. Uh, so yeah, like they teachers have to work on their own, you know, pronunciation. They have to so that they 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 can teach those things. Right, and how they can do it, where they can do it. Well, there are so many books. There's this awesome book by Judy Gilbert. It's called Clear Speech. Clear Speech. And it's awesome, incredible. Like Judy Gilbert, right? Yeah. All right. Cool. Any other recommendations? I mean, this is wonderful. I think teachers would love to hear, and they probably do some search on that. It's uh, some searching on it. Be wonderful. Um, we have like lots of. Um, I have some here. Okay, great. Lots of Hancock. He has this. Oh. Front. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hancock is. Yeah, amazing. these books are awesome. They don't teach you like. Uh, we, you don't have the theory, let's say, but lots of exercises like right. here. These front packs, right? The there front are packs from lots Hancock. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there is. A, a, a book by Hancock as well, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a more, it's a bigger one. I forgot the name. I can send you later. But it's All like right. there's more theory in the background, and then there, like it's way more solid. Let's say, right? right. Um, there's Ship Sheep. Uh, it's it's a it's an awesome book as well. Um, the other Ship or Sheep. Ship or Sheep. All right. Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, more than enough, I think, because our teachers are probably listening and they're like, whoa, this is really motivating. You said a lot, <laughs> and I think I've got us thinking about speaking, about teaching, pronunciation. All right, I think it's going to motivate them, definitely. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, this, we could go on and on. I don't want to keep you. And uh, we, we, we're kind of running out, not running out of time, but not to make it too long for our listeners. Yeah, no, for to give them enough so that they can feel motivated to come back and even reach you to talk more about this topic. I'm sure that you'll be able to share a lot more with them if they reach you. Um, you get some further studies on this. Uh, online you are at Mova. I'm, I'm always at Mova Celeradora. Mova Celeradora, right? I am online, yeah. Right. This is school so, and this okay. is my second persona. Right. <laughs> Second persona. Good. <laughs> Wonderful. And I hope this this podcast was also an example of what we talked about, about prosodic training. If, I think we were good examples, hopefully, of what it went by, you know, using and paying attention to these um, implicit rules that that are uh, based on, you know, based on or grounded in, in speaking and not speaking, how it depends on that to make communication flow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I right. think this is it. Start by noticing. Like, okay. start by noticing. And, and lots of things will be clearer if you start noticing. Wonderful. I think that this is the, yeah, I don't know, first step, yeah. Definitely. Well, all right. Thank you so much, Alini. Wonderful, Thank you. Wonderful. wonderful. This 
is or this was the Meteor Chapter Podcast, episode 23. And wow, number five, we talked about pronunciation with Alini Cochino. This was really, really good. So stay tuned, everyone, for other riveting episodes like this one. And for just another teacher who you think might benefit from this, and follow us on Instagram at BT underscore Rio Chapter. Thank you all. Bye, Alini. Bye, Thank everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you. Oh.